It's the Ollie Gordon Show, Leighton Morgantown. Can Utah fill the void of hatred after OU and Texas leave? Pete's picks and projections and a preview of the Cincinnati homecoming game. This is Pete's Playbook. That's not true! So get your facts straight. Are you kidding me? That's all I got to say. Makes me want to puke. It is time for another edition of the Pete's Playbook Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jonathan McKee. And for the second week in a row, we were all reminded that it is Ollie Gordon's football field, and we're all just there watching. The Pokes get the win 48-34 in West Virginia in a game where all Alan Bowman had to do was turn around and hand the ball to Ollie Gordon, and we were winning. The dude put the team on his back late and and sealed it for the Cowboys. So uh, let's jump into it a little bit here, as I said uh, Cowboys get the win 48-34, scoring 28 of those points in the fourth quarter alone. Uh, and let's just address the elephant in the room here. Ollie Gordon goes off for 282 yards and four touchdowns on 29 carries. Give that man every award available for a running back. And for the most part, the nation did. So, again, this is what we've all been asking for. This is what we all saw coming from Ollie Gordon. and. We finally get to see it, so props to him, and uh, glad we finally got to see it. Uh, Alan Bowman had a great day. He's 24 of 36, uh, 210 yards, two touchdowns. He did have the one interception. I think it was a forced pass. We hadn't really taken any deep shots uh, in the game up to that point, and it looked like he just tried to force a deeper shot and didn't even see the safety standing there. So bad read from him, uh, but overall, great day from Alan Bowman. Uh, he did also have two rushes for eight yards. Um, so, yeah, good day from Alan Bowman. Brennan Presley has nine catches for 62 yards and a touchdown. Another good day from him. Jaden Bray's got four receptions for 53 yards and a touchdown. Uh, good good day for him. He did have another drop. But, you know, we all, we, all know, we all know the struggles there. Rashad Owens keeps his streak alive. He's got six receptions for 40 yards in this game. Uh, Talon Shetron had a good game, three catches, 36 yards. Josiah Johnson keeps his one catch streak alive, one catch for 10 yards. And Blaine Green had one reception for nine yards. So overall passing 210 yards on four receptions. That's 8.8 a catch. That's pretty good. Uh, by the way, rushing 281 yards as a team because everybody else had so many negative yards that Ollie Gordon outrushed the team somehow. Uh, but 33 carries uh, at eight and a half a piece, that is going to win you a lot of football games. So hopefully we can keep that going. Um, West Virginia rushing. They had 226 yards as a team on 44 carries. Garrett Green was 117 of those alone. Uh, most of those were on scrambles. It was actually kind of 50-50, leaning more towards uh, quarterback scrambled scrambles, undesigned run plays. Uh, but 16 carries for 117 yards. Justin Johnson had 14 carries for 72 yards. And C.J. Donaldson had 13 carries for 39 yards. I expected more from Donaldson. I really did. But, uh, you know, the defense stepped up once again. Garrett Green also went 15 of 30, passing 249 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, So not the best passing performance from him. A lot of yards there. Uh, we had a lot of busted coverages again, but we'll get into that. Um, but 15 of 30, not a great day for him. 
receiving, they had Preston Fox, four catches, 81 yards. EJ Horton, three catches, 79 yards, one touchdown. Devin Carter, three catches, 54 yards, one touchdown. Uh, both Horton and Carter, their touchdown was on a 32-yard catch and a 45-yard catch. So uh, the majority of the yards coming off of one of those receptions. Uh, and then they had a couple other guys with one or two receptions for not a whole lot. So um, 249 yards passing for them. So the defense, you know, it is what it is. You're not going to run on this team effectively. Uh, you may get some big breaks here and there, but you're also going to have some turnovers. So let's let's jump into that a little bit. The turnovers in this game are what sticks out to me. So each team had what was essentially, I mean, we had one fumble, we had one interception, we had the muffed punt, and we had the missed kick, the missed field goal, which I'm counting as a turnover on down. So, I mean, that's that's four turnovers for us. Uh, and then you look at West Virginia, they had two fumble, or one, they had two fumbles, um, one interception, a muffed punt. They were also 0 of 2 on fourth down. So, I mean, that's that's six turnovers. So, not going to win a lot of games with six turnovers. That's a huge part of why uh, Oklahoma State was able to win this game. But you get another win against a team that was uh, doing really well in conference and overall. The loss to Houston obviously doesn't look great for West Virginia. Um, but this is a solid team. So, it's a good win, you know. You don't win the possession battle. You do win the turnover battle. You have more yards than them by 16. You have less first downs than they do. You know, there's the stats on this were back and forth pretty even across the board, but you come out with the win because you win the turnover battle. So uh, good for Mike Gundy and crew. And, uh, you know, those fourth downs are, are really what killed West Virginia. And as much flack as we give Mike Gundy for not going for it on fourth down, we've seen a couple of coaches this year lose games because they did go for it and didn't get it. So um, as much as I hate to say it, that may be the way to, way to do it. So uh, so the Cowboys moved to 5-2 and two overall, 3-1 and one in conference. That puts them at third, which is pretty solid. Um it's a three-way tie for third right now, but it's third. So, yeah, it's looking good so far, and I don't really have a whole lot of complaints from this game. The one complaint is the broken coverages, missed assignments, whatever you want to call it, by the safeties. Uh, again, a lot of deep plays for West Virginia in this game, and that's really the only thing. If we can true up, some of those blown coverages, some of those missed assignments. This team can win any game. If we can hand the ball off to Ollie Gordon and he go and he can go and get 250 yards and three touchdowns, and then we've got the receivers on the edge to make some plays when we need it. We've got the quarterback that's not going to make the big mistake. You're not going to run on this team, and we true up the, the, big, the big plays that we've been given up. How do you beat this team? That's really the only big flaw that we've seen in the last three games. So there's a lot to like here. There's a lot that I do like. Now what I don't like is what I'm seeing from the Utah fans right now. So let's rewind the clocks 
back to June, July time frame, USC and UCLA are already out at the, of the Pac-12, going to the Big Ten. We find out Oregon and Washington are right behind them. Colorado's already on their way to the Big 12. And the Pac-12 is on its deathbed. So then you see Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, trying to figure out what the heck are they going to do. And Utah fans are all over Twitter and all over social media talking about how, oh, well, they're going to get the Big Ten invite and they're going to be just fine and not to worry about it. And from everything I've seen, Big Ten was not calling and they were never going to. So if the Big 12 doesn't pick up the phone and call Utah, Utah is headed back to the Mountain West or to a pack, staying in a Pac-12 that's got three teams in it instead of two. So, yes, the Big 12 did save Utah. They handed Utah a life vest or a life raft or whatever you want to call it, and that is truth. That is factual information. The other side of that coin are the Utah fans saying, well, they didn't save Utah. They wanted Utah. Well, that can also be true at the same time. Obviously, Utah has been a great program under Kyle Whittingham. They've won a lot of games. They've won a lot of couple championship conference championships. They've been to a couple Rose Bowls, but they can't seem to figure out how to win it. So, yeah, when Brett Yormark says his dream scenario was the four corner schools, that is true, and he got all four of them. But that does not mean that had he not picked up that phone and called them, that they would have been fine. So while that is his dream scenario, it was also the saving grace of those four schools. So all the Utah fans that are on Twitter talking about how they're going to walk into this conference and immediately win it and the Big 12 would be nothing without Utah and we should be glad that they're here and show some respect. I've got one thing to say to Utah. What has the Pac-12 produced in the last decade? And the silence there is because it's nothing. They were on a two or three year bowl game zero win streak for a while, not too long ago. They were viewed nationwide as the worst Power 5 conference. Every metric proved that. Every game proved that. Every opinion proved that. So congratulations, you won the conference that sucks the most. Now, Pac-12 this year looks pretty good. Oregon and Washington, really good teams. Oregon State, a surprisingly really good team. Washington State, not a bad team. Arizona's a little bit of a surprise. And Utah's still winning games. So again, they're a good program. They will be good to have in the Big 12. But it's not like Utah is some blue blood that brings in all of this nationwide viewership and huge numbers and huge money. That's not what you are. And had we not come knocking and given you the life raft, where would you be right now? So, this is not a knock on Utah. Again, good program. But don't start beating your chest just yet. I mean... UCF came in beating their chest, and uh, last time I checked, they are 0-4 in conference right now. A little different. They're coming from group of five, but, I mean, you guys weren't. It's not that far back since you guys were in the group of five. So, let's take a beat. Let's all relax. Let's all be happy that the Big 12 is where it is. Because, I mean, this time last year, two years ago, we were all worried that we were going to be what the Pac-12 is right now. Non-existent. 
So, yeah, that's how I feel about it. Drives me crazy. The, uh, the, uh, arrogance. But they'll be here next year. We'll get our chance. All you gotta do is win the game. Prove them wrong. If you think they're crazy for saying that they're going to come in and run the conference and win it immediately or contend for it immediately or whatever, if you think they're wrong, win the game. So, moving on from that, we've got Pete's picks and projections for this week. Okay, so looking at this week's slate of games at 11 a.m., we've got Kansas hosting Oklahoma. And boy, does Kansas have the chance to do something that is both hilarious and needed for the Big 12 this weekend. Now, OU comes into this um, with a pretty good offense, pretty solid defense. And Kansas comes into this with a very efficient offense and not a great defense. Shaking it down, the, uh, the analytics and the numbers and all of that stuff, they've got Kansas losing this game 26-35 at home. But the difference in yardage when you break down the numbers is only 40 yards, 45-ish yards. So if Kansas can step up the defense a little bit, maybe get a couple turnovers, play a clean game, and please, please do something crazy. I am about this close, and I know you can't see my hands, but I'm holding my fingers really close together. I am this close to pick in Kansas this weekend, but I don't know if I can do it. So as of right now, I'm going Oklahoma. We'll see if I change it before Saturday, but that's where I'm at right now. Also at 11 a.m., we've got Kansas State hosting Houston. I don't expect this to be close. Uh, Houston is coming off a uh, bit of a tough one against Texas last week. They really held their own. They had a chance to win it at the end. I think they got screwed by the refs, which we'll talk about also here in just a second. But they just came off tough game. Kansas State is coming off a really good game, and I think they keep it rolling. Uh, the data suggests that uh, Kansas State's going to win this game 34-24. I think that's right in line. The spread on this game is Kansas State minus 17.5. Houston probably covers that. But I think Kansas State takes care of business, gets the win at home. So moving on to the next game at also at 11 a.m. You've got UCF hosting West Virginia. Now the data, because of UCF's offense and what it can be, actually has UCF winning this game by 130-29. UCF comes into this with a pretty solid offense. The problem is the turnovers, the miscues, not putting up points. The data has them getting 433 yards of total offense and holding West Virginia to 395 yards total offense. And that's kind of where the points shake out to be a one-point win. And I think UCF, again, is this close to being able to win these games, but they're on foreign conference right now. You got to go West Virginia. Coming off a tough loss to Oklahoma State, a game in which I don't think Garrett Green played very well. I don't think C.J. Donaldson played very well. And I think OSU's got a better defense than UCF does. And I think West Virginia's just better than what we saw last week. So I've got West Virginia winning this game uh, in Orlando. At 2.30, we've got Baylor hosting Iowa State. Uh, Data has Iowa State taking this win 27-22. I think that's a little high on the total score. Uh, Baylor is just not good right now. And Iowa State's offense is 
solid, but not great. But Iowa State's defense is really good. So I think that's a little high for the total. I like the spread at five-ish, four-ish there. Um, so I'm taking Iowa State uh, to win this one as well. Also at 2.30, we've got Texas hosting BYU. And again, BYU has the chance to do something that the rest of the Big 12 would absolutely love to see. For myself, I like BYU. Their fans are super nice. The team is likable. I like BYU. Obviously, I'm not a huge fan of Texas. So please, while the data suggests a 29-23 loss, while Vegas has Texas favored by 19, that's gone up two points just today, please do something awesome. And just when you think BYU is going to do one thing, they do the exact opposite of that. I mean... They go in and win a pretty good game against Cincinnati at home. They win 35-27. They played well. The offense looked good enough. The defense looked great. You have a bye week, and everybody's thinking, okay, they got TCU now at TCU. This will be a close one. They could pull off the win. I picked BCU to win, BYU to win that game, and TCU wins it 44-11. to And then the very next week... BYU comes out and beats Tech 27-14 in what was just an absolutely terrible game to watch. But they won, and nobody's expecting them to beat Texas. So please follow suit and do the exact opposite of what everybody thinks you're going to do and beat Texas. But again, I just can't bring myself to pick Texas to lose this game, so I'm picking Texas. At 7 p.m., primetime television... Oklahoma State hosts Cincinnati for homecoming, and I cannot wait to watch this game. I'm at the point with this Oklahoma State team that if they can prove to me one more time that what we saw at the beginning of this season is not what this team is, then I am fully on board. I'm on the train. We're freaking winning out. But I need one more showing against a worse opponent than what we've played so far because Gundy's teams have traditionally been really good at playing up to their competition and also really good at playing down to their competition. Do not play down to this team. Hit the gas, stay on the gas, and win the game. Now the data and the numbers, they still don't like us. They've only got a one-point win for Oklahoma State in this game, 28-27. I see this going very differently. Vegas... Still not super confident in Oklahoma State. Has us minus seven. I think it's I think it's double digits, man. And while Cincinnati has a really good rush defense and all of that stuff, we'll jump into it a little more later. But they turn the ball over a lot. Just go win the game. I'm picking Oklahoma State, obviously. Looking at the projections for the Big 12 Conference after week, uh, what is it, seven now? What week are we in? After week eight, and what we all hate to see is still alive. OU Texas still at the top, 1-2, and 12-0, and 10-2 respectively. I don't want to talk about it. OU still got a really good passing offense. They still got the most points per game in the Big 12. They still give up the least amount of points in the Big 12. Whatever. It is what it is. A little bit of difference here. Texas has now the best rushing defense in the Big 12, 98.3 yards a game given up. So uh, 
you know, we don't have to play them. It is what it is. At three, we've got Kansas State at nine and three, seven and two in conference. Uh, their best stat in the Big 12 is rushing yards per game at 233. That team rushed for 91 yards against us. So, glad we already got the win there because they are playing much better with um, the true freshmen coming in. And we don't have to play them anymore. Thank God. Uh, At four, we've got one, two, three teams tied for fourth place. Kansas, UCF, and BYU all at eight and four, five and four. Again, this is just based off the numbers. This is not how I see this going at all. We'll get into that in just a second also. But at fourth, we've got Kansas. uh, Solid across the board. Not the best, not the worst anything in the Big 12. UCF has the most total yards a game at almost 500 total yards per game. But they're not scoring the most points per game. Again, turnovers, miscues, penalties, all that stuff factored in. Um if they can clean it up and have a really good game, they'll probably blow somebody's doors off. Have yet to see it. Uh, BYU also at fourth. They have the worst offense as far as total yards per game and rushing yards per game go. Only 79 y- rushing yards per game for this BYU team. That is really bad. Uh, but again, the defense, they're only giving up 24 points a game. It's pretty solid. At seventh is Oklahoma State. Big jump from last week. We were at 10, uh, 7-5, and 5-4 five, five and in conference. Solid across the board. Not great at anything, not bad at anything. Every week these offensive stats go up, and every week these defensive stats go down. We're improving every week. Our standing is improving every week. Uh, but the numbers still don't like us because the beginning of the year was so bad. So... At eight, we've got West Virginia six and six, four and five, and also TCU six and six, four and five. West Virginia has the worst passing uh, offense in the Big Twelve at two hundred two yards per game. Uh, pretty average at everything else. TCU is pretty average across the board. At ten, this has Iowa State losing the rest of their games. That's pretty crazy, honestly. But, anyways, we'll take a look at it. They've got the least amount of points per game at twenty three. But they allow the least amount of total yards, the least amount of passing yards, and they only give up 20 points a game. They're only scoring 23 points a game, but they're still winning games because their defense is so good. And Rocco Becht is just doing enough to win the game. So obviously they're not going to finish 10th, I don't think, but that's what the data has them at. At 11th, we've got Texas Tech, 4-8, and 3-6. and six. They're pretty below average across the board, not the worst at anything. At uh, 12, we've got Houston, 4-8, and 2-7. and seven. They have the worst total yards per game allowed, the worst passing yards allowed per game, and the worst points allowed per game. They, again, are one of three teams now that allow more points than they score on average. At 13, we've got Baylor. They have the worst rushing defense at 199 rushing yards allowed per game. Uh, They give up 30 points. They only score 23. Bad recipe. 14, Cincinnati, 3-9, 1-8. And again, they're pretty not great across the board, but they're not terrible. They only give up 100 rushing yards a game. It's pretty good. I mean, first place in the Big 12 is 98. So they're not that far off. I 
looking at it here real quick, that puts them third in the Big 12 in rushing yards allowed per game. Their defense or their offense isn't terrible, averaging 445 yards a game, 27 points. It's not bad. They're just not winning games because of turnovers, offensive miscues, penalties, whatever. They're not winning games. So, like UCF, I think if they can put a game together, a clean game together, they can beat somebody. They can beat anybody. But they also haven't really played anybody. I mean, the best team and the only good team they've played is OU, and they scored six points. They had a close game with Baylor, but they lost. So, anyways, moving on again, we've got OU 1, Texas 2, Kansas State 3, Kansas, UCF, BYU tied at 4, Oklahoma State at 7, West Virginia TCU tied at 8, Iowa State at 10, Tech at 11, Houston at 12, Baylor at 13, Cincinnati at 14. Rolling through Pete's picks again for the week. I've got OU getting the win uh, in Lawrence against Kansas. I've got Kansas State getting the win at home against Houston. West Virginia taking care of business in Orlando against UCF. I've got Iowa State winning against Baylor in Waco. Texas winning at home over BYU. And I've got Oklahoma State winning over Cincinnati. So, moving on to current Big 12 standings. And... It's getting a little wild out there because look who's third. So currently OU's one seven and four and We all know what they are. We all hate it. It is what it is. Texas at two, six and one, three and one. Only lost to OU. We all know what they are. We all hate it. It is what it is. Third place, Oklahoma State five and two, three and one. Who would have thought? I mean, you go back four weeks to the bye week, and we're all ready to throw this program in the garbage, right? Burn it down. Fire everybody. And now we're third place in the Big 12. Absolutely crazy. Uh, Kansas State, also 5-2, 3-1. We've got the head-to-head over them. That's why we're at 3, and they're at 4. Both of those teams, Oklahoma State and Kansas State, receiving votes. Uh, Iowa State at 5, 4-3, 3-1. Kansas at 6. BYU at 7. West Virginia at 8. Baylor at 9, TCU at 10, Texas Tech at 11, Houston 12, UCF 13, Cincinnati 14. UCF and Cincinnati, man, when are you going to get your first Big 12 win? Again, UCF came in talking all that trash, but they were ready for the stage. They were ready for the Power 5. Your own four in the Big 12. Get it together. Houston has a win in the Big 12, albeit a lucky one, kind of, against West Virginia. Should be, too, but they've got a win, and you guys can't get a win. Come on, be better. Uh, BYU, 2-2 two two in conference. They got a win over an original Big 12 member in Texas Tech. What are you guys doing? But anyways, I digress. Uh, that's current standings right now. Oklahoma State's in a great spot. What is on the table right now? If Oklahoma State wins out, if Kansas State wins out, that gives Texas a second loss in conference to Kansas State. That gives OU one loss in conference that builds a three-way, and that gives Iowa State a second loss in conference also to Kansas State. And that puts a three-way tie for first place between us, OU, Kansas State. So, the first look is head-to-head matchup. We've got the head-to-head matchup over both of those teams. Again, assuming we went out, that's a big assumption. A lot of things have to go right for that to happen. I realize it. We're living in the dream world right now. We've got the head-to-head over OU and Kansas State in this scenario. We're the one seed in the Big 12 championship. Then it comes down to common opponent between OU and Kansas State for who is the 
uh, second place team in the Big 12. That's going to come down to the head-to-head matchup against Texas for each of those teams. They both won that game. So then it goes down to the fourth place team, or the fifth place team, and the head-to-head matchup there, the next highest ranked opponent for each of those teams uh, that they have in common, until you find a winner. If that's even across the board, then it goes to the whole schedule. If that's even across the board, which it won't be because Kansas State's got the out-of-conference loss to Missouri, but I looked up the rules and I think this is crazy. There's a lot of steps in there, and it goes down to number seven. If all six of these other things are even across the board, the seventh decision-maker for who plays in this game literally says coin toss. Just pick one. Now, the odds of you getting down to that seventh tier are so astronomically never going to happen, but I just I can picture Oklahoma State next year getting all the way down to that seventh tier and it being a coin toss and it going to the other team and us just being absolutely pissed because that would be the most Oklahoma State thing I've ever seen in my life. But hopefully it never happens. Anyways, the scenario and the the path is there for Oklahoma State and Kansas State to hold up the revenge flag, hold up the Big 12 flag, and keep OU and Texas out of this conference championship game. Again, a lot of things have to go right, but it's possible. I will be the biggest Kansas State fan the remainder of this season so that they can win out. Obviously, I'm already a huge Oklahoma State fan, so, you know, nothing needed there. But we need as many losses for OU and Texas as possible. But we really only need one. And we need OU to lose, or we need us to beat OU, and we need Texas to lose to Kansas State. And we're in. That's all you gotta do. No big deal, right? Just go win the game. We shall see. So, speaking of OU and Texas, you guys remember last year when they were complaining about how there was this Big 12 conspiracy with the refs to not call anything their way so that they'd lose all these games and... The only reason OU had a losing record for the first time in 20 years is because of the refs and Lincoln Riley. Well, both of those teams should have lost this weekend. Both of them. And the refs saved their butts in both games. Houston is driving down the field to go score the game-tying touchdown. They'd have to get the two-point conversion to win, maybe to tie. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head right now, but... Houston's driving down the field. They're going to go score. And they hand it off on third down and definitely make the line to gain. And the refs spot the ball a yard and a half, two yards back, and say they don't get it. No review. No, oh, we'll, we'll check it. They brought the chains out, but you spotted the ball wrong. It's the, not a problem of, well, we can't tell with the chains. It's a problem if you put the ball in the wrong spot. And Texas wins the game. So... That's some bull crap, but whatever, well, you know, people make mistakes, it's one thing. Then you watch the OU game, and UCF, before the half, has stopped OU. They're going to take a knee, punt the ball, whatever they're going to do, and we're going to go into halftime, and it's all going to be fine. Uh, UCF's going to be up 17-14, and it's going to be a good chance for them to win the game in the second half. And they got the most... Just Homer pass interference call for OU that I've ever seen in my life. Gives OU the first down, 
15 yards closer. They kick the field goal. They tie it up before halftime. And UCF ends up losing this game by two. Now, obviously, things in the second half would have gone differently if they don't kick that field goal. I get it. It's not a perfect, you know, UCF would have won if they didn't have the field goal. But you only lost by two, and you gave them a free three points. You're welcome, said the Big 12 refs to OU in Texas. So I don't want to hear it anymore. There's no conspiracy. Nobody's paying the refs more money to not call things your way. You got beat last year because you sucked. There was no holding calls for OSU and 14 for Texas or whatever it was last year. Not because of the refs and some conspiracy. It's because you declined the three penalties or the two penalties for Oklahoma State and you kept jumping off sides and holding. You were an undisciplined team. So stop complaining because obviously they're not out to get you. They saved both of your butts this past weekend. But I digress. Obviously, I don't like those teams. I know you don't either. That's why we're here. That's why we need Oklahoma State and Kansas State to pull it off. Do something good. Speaking of doing something good, I've got Ollie Gordon going off for another 200 yards this week. I know Cincinnati has a good rushing defense. They only give up 100 yards rushing per game. Again, who have you played? Cincinnati's last five opponents are a loss to Baylor, a loss to Iowa State, a loss to BYU, and a loss to OU. Oh yeah, and a loss to Miami of Ohio. The Baylor game was close. The BYU game was close. The Iowa State game was not close. The OU game was not close. They scored a total of 16 points in those two games combined, and they gave up 50. You gave up 30 points to Iowa State. I mean, we gave up 34 points to Iowa State. I get it. But my point is they haven't played any good teams. And the two good teams that they have played, they got stomped by. Oklahoma State is a good team from what we've seen the last three weeks. If you look into the OU game, and you're looking at it, it's like, oh, well, you know, Cincinnati only gives up 100 rushing yards a game, all of that stuff. OU rushed for 103 yards. Oklahoma does not have Ollie Gordon in the backfield. They don't. Their running back is just not as good. He had 15 carries for 63 yards against Cincinnati. Now, I agree with Mike Gundy. This is the best front seven we've played up to this point, but we've pretty much had free reign to run the ball by the end of the game in each of the last three games against some pretty good teams. Kansas State has a really good rushing defense, and we ran the ball well against them. So it's very, very possible that this seven-point spread, the one-point win by the numbers, all of that is a product of data that can't take into account real-world aspects. Because the other thing that this can't take into account is turnovers. On the year, Emory Jones has 13 touchdown passes and eight interceptions. That is not a good stat. That is Spencer Sanders-esque right there, and I love to see it for our defense because our defense has done a really good job at getting turnovers. They also have a lot of penalties. They average 56 yards in penalties per game. They've got 43 penalties on the, on the year for almost 400 yards. This team kind of shoots themselves in the foot. 
That's where you see the big yardage numbers, but not the big points numbers because they stall drives on all by themselves. They also have 10 fumbles. Th- only three were lost on the season, but they cough up the ball. All we got to do is jump on it. Their turnover ratio on the season is minus four. Not good. So what this data that I have does not take into account is turnovers. Oklahoma State's good at forcing them. Cincinnati's really bad at having them. That's a recipe for Kendall Daniels, Colin Oliver, Nick Martin, Cameron Epps to have a really big game. Trey Rucker, go have a good game. We are not going to let them run the ball. And while they do run the ball fairly well, 214 yards a game, we have proven time and time again that we are not going to let you run the ball. And they're going to take some shots based off of what they've seen in film. They're going to take some shots downfield. So if the defense, if I was, you know, defensive coordinator Brian Nardo, what I'm working on all week is shoring up the back end of that defense. No more big plays. We're getting turnovers. Stop the run. Yes, they can't go rush for 215 yards and us win this game. But we also can't be giving up 50, 60-yard passing plays three or four times a game for touchdowns because Emory Jones will throw them. When we saw this quarterback last year against Arizona State in what ended up being a kind of close game, obviously a different system, different coach, all that, I get it. But he can make those passes if you're going to just have a blown assignment and the dude's wide open. So that's what I'm looking for this weekend. No more big pass plays. Obviously, we're going to be aggressive. I get it. It's going to happen. Can't happen four or five times a game. So cut down on the big pass plays, keep them from rushing the ball like we have done all season, and keep getting turnovers like we have all season. We do that, and the offense stays as good as it has been for the last three games. You don't even have to be better. We win this game by 14, maybe more. That's what I see. That's what I expect to see this weekend. Again, it's homecoming, 7 o'clock kick, might rain a little bit, light rain, sold out, packed Boone Pickens. Cincinnati's not used to that type of environment. Let's put it all together. Let's show what this team is. Let's not regress back to the beginning of the season. Prove to everybody, myself included, that what we've seen the last three weeks is who this team is. Go get the win, and I'm on board for an upset next week. That's where I'm at. That's what I want to see. I love this team. They're fun to watch. I want to see it on Saturday. But that's what I got. If you guys like what you heard, or if you want to see more, you can find me on Twitter, at Pete's Playbook. You can find the pod on all podcasting software or platforms. You can find it visually on YouTube as well, at Pete's Playbook. Um, If you liked it, give it a thumbs up. Give it a follow. If you didn't like it, let me know why. And, uh, you know, we'll keep doing it next week. Uh, that's what I got for this week. I appreciate you guys tuning in. As always, go Pokes, and see ya. See ya.